if you know who you're voting for in 2024, how, who, like how, like who, who is there? Who is it and why? Tell me why. So, let's talk about next year's polls. Who is running for power? What are their strengths and weaknesses? Who might win? This is the issue with the 2024 election. On podcast and on your screens, you can check us out on all the social medias. And the video version of this episode is live on YouTube. Next year's presidential elections are going to be the most important since South Africa became a democracy in 1994. This is the first election where the ANC may not get a 50% plus one vote majority. This is the first election where individual citizens can run on their own without a party. There are political rematches and old rivalries all over the map. Malema, again, against his old party, the ANC. Mashaba and Maimane, former DA leaders with their own new parties now against the Democratic Alliance. We have, and this is true, a convicted gangster swallowing up votes all across the country. It's mad. It's South Africa. Of course it is. It's a movie. And millions of South Africans are fed up with all the options and don't know who to vote for. The results of local government elections have been really hard to decipher for any kind of dominant trend or pattern or anything that we can feel confident will happen in 2024 national elections. Smaller parties have been taking areas off of the ANC and the DA, like the Encarta Freedom Party, the IFP and KZN, the EFF here and there, Freedom Front Plus, Patriotic Alliance, all these different small parties just chipping away. But in many places, the two biggest parties have had resounding victories and huge successes, so it's really hard to figure out what's going to happen. One thing for sure though, people are cutful with their options. People have had enough of the broken promises and disappointments of the political establishment, all the major political parties. And we know this because many communities have even taken to opting out of major parties in local votes or by-elections and voting for local action groups in local elections. There have been stories of communities who no political party has provided water for decades and a group of activists or concerned citizens in those towns have created a working action group which is just existing to deliver water, just to fix that one problem and they've been beating the major parties. They've been winning. Same with electricity in other parts of the country. And so what we can say is we're seeing serious changes in voter loyalty. South Africans are open for voting for new names and trying new things at the ballot box to try and get better lives for themselves, better politicians to support and serve them. But there isn't enough evidence yet of any dominant trends to make solid predictions about next year. And yet, recently, President Ramaphosa said that anyone who thinks that the ANC will lose this election is silly. That's his exact word, silly. And what's wild is, he might be right. Even though the ANC has been a total disaster. In the last few years, a sense of hopelessness has taken hold over many South Africans. You hear it all the time. You see it in tweets. You are told it on the street by friends, followers, fans, even just strangers. There's this sense of not quite giving up, but a loss of faith in future promise, in the potential of the future of the country to get better. And that is 100% the ANC's fault. There's no other way to dress it up. The ruling party has ruled over the loss of hope and faith and trust and optimism in South Africa. It's what they've done. In so many ways, life has got worse. ESCOM 
absolute disaster. You know how long we've been load shed for? The first official planned blackouts load shedding was in 2008. That's 15 years ago. Load shedding was born in 2008 and has gone through terrible twos, toddlership, pre-primary school, primary school. It's been in high school for a while now. It's picking its matrix subjects right now, just to give you an idea of how long South Africa has been load shed. And every year, the ANC or an elected official, most recently for Kile Mbalula, but like, I mean, since 2013, when President Ramaphosa was the vice president and he was put on various solve ESCOM committees, they've been saying, end of this year, we're turning a corner, we're fixing it, we're fixing it, we're fixing it. And they are not fixing it. We hope they might, but there's barely, I think there may have been one day this year so far of zero load shedding whatsoever. And it was that little cute window after Ramaphosa elected a minister of electricity. And I think Ramaphosa wanted to make a good impression. So we got like three cute days, but that's it. And it was a publicity, it was a PR, it was a political stunt. Then roads. The potholes situation, the cracks in the roads, the decay. The potholes have potholes in some parts of South Africa. And I have heard, and obviously it's a joke, but it's only a half joke because it's a little bit serious. I've heard people saying they'll move to Cape Town just because the roads in Cape Town are much better than the rest of South Africa because the average road in Cape Town is decent and well-maintained and looked after. And I'm sorry, but if you are so put out by the state of something like roads in your area that you are willing to move to probably the most expensive, actually, yes, definitely the most expensive city to live in in South Africa, just to save your back, just to save your body from all of those hits it takes as you drive or are driven around in an Uber that is really not driving like they have a license. It says something. Maybe people are thinking that moving to Cape Town is less expensive than years of physiotherapy and scans and invasive surgeries later in life to kind of just try and save their backs. It's serious. Then water. Oh, so many places, Durban, KZN, particularly since the floods, absolute disaster. There's none of it sometimes, or it's not clean, or it has sewage or plague in it. Unemployment is such a farce. I saw the stats the other day. There's only one country in the world that even vaguely matches us in terms of unemployment, and it's Nigeria, the only other country which by some measures is over 30% unemployment. The next countries in that horrible list, three, four, five, and six, are like low 20s, high teens. So It just reminded me of how far out, how wild and insane South Africa is that only one other country is even close to us in terms of people not being able to find work and have the stability of a job, the making of money, the ability to build a better and a nicer life for themselves. So the ANC has presided over the decay of this country. But it's worse than that because there have been so many horror stories about ANC leaders doing horrible things without consequences. It's just mind-blowing. Remember Digital Vibes? That feels like such a long time ago now. Digital Vibes was a scandal. And I think we forget about it because there's so many all the time. And you would think and you would hope that that makes these political leaders and the parties they're part of much less likable. And if you're unlikable, you're not going to get voted for or elected in a poll. Just in the last few months, off the top of my head, Paul Mashatile's goons, his VIP protection unit, stopped on the side of a highway in Gauteng and beat the living shit out of two South Africans. And this time was caught on camera. But the way that they acted so comfortably and so willingly, it's very easy to believe that they've been doing this a lot, not just his protection unit, but different protection units around the country that just weren't recorded all those other times. They certainly seemed very comfortable doing what they're doing. Now, Paul Mashatile, vice president of the country, he pinky swears, even though it was his VIP protection unit, that he wasn't in the convoy. Well, he pinky swore 
And now it's pretty clear that he was there behind one of the incredibly tinted windows of this massive German black SUV. I mean, he could claim oblivious, like he didn't know what they were doing, but that's probably bullshit. More likely was fully aware of what was about to happen with that whole alleged comfort break. So another fundamentally unlikable person in a fundamentally bad look moment for the African National Congress. And yet Ramaphosa is still so confident that they'll win the election next year. And I honestly, despite everything I've just told you, believe him. I don't necessarily think he's right, but I think the odds are extremely high that the ANC will win again. And I think there are three main reasons why. The first is political infrastructure. Secondly, Ramaphosa's own popularity. And thirdly, because the opposition, all of them, every party is a total shambles. Like such a level of humiliated, embarrassing shambles. I can't believe it. Let's work through all three. So what do I mean by political infrastructure? Well, the way that you win an election, the way that you get people to vote for you, even in an age of hyper-social media, is knocking on doors, meeting people at events, having an enormous group of people, activists, going out there and walking down streets, conversing with strangers, telling them and making that personal human connection why they are going to vote for the ANC or the DA or whatever political party, why they believe that this party and this person is the right one for them and should rule the country and therefore why it should be the right one and you should want them to rule for you. That personal connection is by far the most convincing way to get people to agree with you, the personal touch in the same restaurant on the same street corner. Social media can do a lot, media can do a lot, but ultimately that personal connection, real life, breathing the same air engagement is what really persuades people because they can trust an actual individual vouching and advocating in front of them in a way that they can't necessarily trust or be compelled by a video on a screen or a radio ad or a newspaper or just a picture of a face of a party on a ballot that they have never seen in their community, that they've never seen fighting for them personally, saying their name, looking at them in the eyes in their area, in their neighborhood. The ANC is everywhere, in every community, every ward, every neighborhood, all across the country. And their political infrastructure is quite literally battle-hardened. The ANC structures were built during apartheid to survive apartheid. And they did. They survived every single thing that the apartheid government threw at them as they desperately tried to destroy the African National Congress. They've got women's leagues here and youth organizations there and civic activist groups in this place and that place. They are everywhere. And no other party has that. Not even close. The vast majority of political parties have never even been in half of the communities personally, let alone to have a structure or local advocates or activists, but even to just rally to march to go door to door. Never happens. And so the ANC, even though they are so shambolically bad at ruling, at governance for South Africa, with all the corruption, all the mess, draining the state coffers, having unlikable moments, allowing the decay of all of our public works, infrastructure and systems, they have this political infrastructure which will fight for them every single election and be incredibly effective. The second reason why they'll probably win is Ramaphosa's popularity. He is by miles the most popular politician in South Africa by an absolutely huge chasm of a margin ahead of every other individual political leader. He's also way more popular than his own party, the African National Congress. Ramaphosa polls above whole parties when it comes to who would you be willing to vote for or who would you choose to vote for in the biggest and most reliable national surveys. So Ramaphosa's own popularity is another good reason why he can be confident that the ANC will win the 50% plus one vote, at least majority, 
2024. But to the last point, and we're going to talk about them all now. Yeah, opposition parties, absolute disaster zones, absolute crises, earthquake mess, 9, 10 on the Richter scale, shambles. Because simply, no matter what you think about the ANC or the opposition, no matter who your favorite party is, no matter who you vote for or trust the most or don't hate the least, democracy is always about choosing the best bad option. Virtually never will a political party perfectly represent you. But how bad are the other options that the ANC is still dominant after all this? Because the evidence is clear. Amid all of the absolute horror show that the ANC's rulership and governance has been in the last 20 years in South Africa, not a single political party has been able to mount even a vaguely credible challenge to the ANC. Not even the kind of threat that might cause a light sweat just a light one, or cause a little bit of lost sleep, maybe only one day a week, like a Tuesday, in the African National Congress. The fact that no political party, no leader, no person has been able to take advantage of such a home-run helping hand as the shambles of the current ruling party is staggering to me. Absolutely staggering and humiliating it should be to them. So let's look at the opposition parties, their strengths and weaknesses, where they're sitting for 2024, where hopefully for them, they will improve on what they've been able to honestly not do so far. And of course, we need to start with the Democratic Alliance. They are the largest opposition party by a significant margin versus the ANC. And you would think that they would have the best shot of actually mounting a credible challenge. But it's weird. I've got this feeling, and I might be wrong, but I've got this feeling that the DA has actually never been further away than they are right now. I think there are a bunch of reasons why. But it really doesn't feel like the DA is going to grow much at all or threaten the ANC at all. Why is that? Well, firstly, the DA has a crisis of whiteness. And I'm not saying that political parties in South Africa shouldn't have white leaders. I'm not saying that at all. But the DA has a particular issue getting the trust of South Africans because to many South Africans, the Democratic Alliance is where the apartheid supporting voters went after 1994 and the DA has continued to champion their interests. And so, if you've got that kind of lodestone around your neck, you should probably be working pretty damn hard to undo that. But the DA has a really bad problem, because black leaders of the Democratic Alliance keep leaving. Musi Maimane, Herman Mashaba, Punzile Van Dam, Lindiwe Mazibuko. Year after year, black high-ranking DA leaders leave. And some of them say it plain, that they don't feel welcome in the Democratic Alliance. Some of them say it more subtly. But for a party to continually be losing black leaders when there is a widespread suspicion that particularly since the departure of Musi Maimane, they are not the party for black voters or black people. They're the party for white conservative, probably bigots. It's an old saying, but it rings true. Like when there is so much smoke, there's probably a fire and there's a lot of smoke here. Then let's talk about whether or not the Democratic Alliance is even likable. And they're not. They're really not. Helen Ziller over and over again. She just doesn't going away. And she's got foot in mouth syndrome like she likes the taste of tackies. When will she stop doing her once a year tweet about how colonialism was actually a good thing and brought wonderful stuff to Africa that otherwise Africans wouldn't have like running water? Then there's the taxi strike the other week. J.P. Smith, that absolute bastion of sanity and clear-mindedness making the situation so much worse when he came out and randomly said 
that he would impound 25 taxis for every bus that was attacked or burned, which is not the law, JP, and you know that. You know that the law is that you find the people who burn the buses, the people who are directly involved, the people who are responsible for the crime, and you put them on trial. You don't randomly go and indiscriminately just rip 25 taxis off the street, whether they were related or not. But he said that. What an unlikable prick thing to say. And then there's John Stenhazen and people of Earth. That man has the charisma of a hardy da made human. He even sounds like what a hardy da would sound like if it was turned into a human. Next time you hear him speaking, close your eyes. You'll hear it and you'll never be able to unhear it. This man has no idea how to charm and like people. If you want someone to vote for you, you need to exude the energy of someone people really like, that they want to be in the corner of, they want to have a bride with, they want to have at their wedding. You want to like the person you're going to vote into power to give that authority over your entire country, to lead the direction of your society's life, right? And this man is consistently just so unlikable. And the thing that confuses me is that the Democratic Alliance seems fine with such a radically unlikable figure being the face that's going to be on the ballot sheet. Blows my mind. I don't even have time to get into the way that the DA seems to have given up on appealing to the vast majority of South Africans by pandering to minorities or time to talk about their shambolic policies. But just go look at the Tswane voting process and how they threw away all their own ballots to get an idea of what I would say if I had time. So that's the DA. No idea what their future holds. I doubt it's going up very far. Then there's the economic freedom fighters. Now, to be clear, we all as a country have to acknowledge that Julius Malema is a world-class politician. I'm not saying that what he does is good or not. I didn't just say that I'm happy that he sang Kill the Boer. I'm not saying anything about that. I'm not saying that he's good for this country or bad. I'm just saying in the job of being a politician, he is one of the most talented, powerful, affecting political leaders, not just in South Africa, but probably in the world. Because the fundamental job of a politician is to grab the spotlight and be the center of attention whenever you feel like it. The EFF, like the ANC, doesn't have the political infrastructure to be in every community all the time knocking on all the doors. But a decent second option is to be the center of media attention all the time. Make the TV houses, make the social media, and make the radio stations and the newspapers talk about you and write about you all the time. Because then, whether people agree with you or not, they are seeing you everywhere in the world. They are seeing you be taken seriously, be listened to, be engaged with as a serious proposition. So the EFF does have that for them. But when I think about the EFF, I also think of that old phrase. I can't remember if it's from the Bible, maybe from the Old Testament, where it says, there is someone you call to knock down your house, and there's someone you call to build up your house. And they are never the same person. And that might be a bit of a problem that the economic freedom fighters have is that so much of their identity to this point has been as disruptors. They will protest that and shut down a clicks. They will be thrown out of a political procession. They will storm out of a speech or disrupt a parliament. And I'm not sure that when people see that, whether they like those actions or not, I'm not sure whether it makes people think they would be good leaders. They would govern well. And they have no significant track record of good governance yet. Maybe they'll win a few wards in future and then that'll happen for them. And then they'll be able to say, look, we know how to govern too, not just disrupt. But their reputation is far more for divisiveness and disruption than it is for good, solid, stable, trustworthy governance and leadership. Then there's also all the corruption scandals that are ongoing like VBS. So it's tricky. 
they're also a little bit unreliable. Like they bag on the ANC all the time, but they go with the ANC on some coalitions. So for the fighters, I'm not sure what to expect. Now let's look at the smaller parties. The Encarta Freedom Party, or IFP, is traditionally the party of Zulu people, and it got absolutely rinsed of voting support when Jacob Zuma became the leader of the ANC. Many IFP voters followed Zuma and voted for him, a Zulu man, to become president of South Africa. And since Zuma was deposed and Ramaphosa became leader of the African National Congress, the IFP has seen quite significant regaining of their voter base. They've taken a few significant wins off of the ANC in recent years in local elections. But the IFP rarely only matters in KwaZulu-Natal and has shown little to no ability to appeal to voters who are not Zulu, Zulu-speaking, from KwaZulu-Natal. So their potential is extremely limited. Then there are brand new parties that have been started by really big names like Herman Mashaba's Action SA and Musi Mamane's Bossa. They don't really have the political infrastructure to make a significant impression yet. But Herman Mashaba's Action SA did surprisingly, impressively, extremely well for a brand new party in Gauteng in the last local government elections. This is obviously because Mashaba has a really good reputation in Gauteng, particularly from when he was the mayor of Johannesburg with the Democratic Alliance. And he took the tough stance on crime and the tough stance on immigrants. And he said he was a security man and a safety man. And many people accused him of xenophobia and skirting on the edges of the law. But a lot of people in Gauteng and Johannesburg really liked that. So Mashaba's Action SA actually took votes off of the ANC areas and DA areas in the last local government elections, including winning Parkhurst, which if you're not from Johannesburg, the best way to explain it is that's the most DA area imaginable. Like this is the kind of area that has pavement, house front, garden competitions. Listen to that again. Pavement, house front, garden competitions. Like they have a competition where every year different households in Parkhurst beautify the front of their plots that is actually on the street, on the pavement. They plant flowers, they put up lights, and they compete for the cutest roadside garden in front of their houses. It is just the most DA area imaginable. I don't know if anywhere else even has this in the country, but Action SA won Parkhurst. Their problem is that Mashaba has not got much of a national impression or footprint. It's very, very unlikely that he'll be able to pull significant votes, at least in this election, in any other provinces. Then there's Musi Maimane's Build One South Africa or BOSA. And the problem that Maimane has is that the most common thing that people say when they hear his name these days is people say, where's he gone? Where's he disappeared to? What is he even doing now? The vast majority of South Africans don't even know that he started a political party last September. They don't even know really that he's running for office, for presidential power. A lot of NGO organizations and pro-democracy activist groups have got behind Maimane, but he's going to have to get a lot of attention from a lot of media extremely quickly if Bossa is going to stand a chance. And they've taken a really interesting model in the way that they've gone about it. They've done something similar to what Emmanuel Macron did in France, where they've essentially said, we will be an umbrella organization for all the independent candidates who want to run all over the country, so long as they agree with and stand by our core values, principles, policy beliefs as a political party. So what they're trying to do is get local politicians in different communities across South Africa or local activists or leaders who already have following 
to sign up for them so they can hopefully help these locals with more profile and press and prestige and exposure and give them a larger body to identify with so there's more media attention. And in exchange, all of these local leaders will bring the people who support them, who are going to vote for them anyway, no matter what, into Bossa. But it's a brand new system and there's just not enough talkability about it on the streets yet. Not looking promising. Then there's the Patriotic Alliance led by Gates and McKenzie. These are the guys led by the actual convicted jail time spent gangster. And to be fair, criminal record or not, Gaten's Patriotic Alliance is clearly appealing to people. They're taking lots of votes across the country, particularly in colored communities in both urban and rural areas. Taken a lot of DA votes, taken a lot of good votes. Patricia DeLille's party that really seems to have hit a hard ceiling in how much more they can grow. The Patriotic Alliance has even won some very significant elections, like taking power in some small Karoo towns. And maybe this won't be surprising for you to learn. Quite a lot of the Patriotic Alliance, the PA's local leaders who were then put in office when they won these significant wards, turned out to be criminals, either already convicted of some heinous and evil things, or about to be convicted or cases against them. Let's just say the brand is consistent and strong across the organization. And beyond all of these parties, there's not really much to look out for. The Freedom Front Plus obviously has its very, very specific community, very specific kind of person who votes for Die Freiheitsfront Plus. And the DA is stressing about losing those kinds of voters to the VF Plus. But it's really hard to imagine the VF Plus appealing much more broadly than its core community. COPE is in crisis. There was a news headline the other day which basically said that they've gone bankrupt or they don't exist. I think they still technically exist. I think Monsieur Lacorta still puts on a Cope-branded t-shirt every morning for his media appearances. But there's not a lot else. So then some people are saying, but what if an independent rises up from the mist and really makes an impression in the elections? Because yes, this will be the first election in South Africa's history where independent people can run for presidents. They can run for ultimate power on their own. No political party. And a couple of people said that they're going to do it. Zaki Ahmad, I think, is one of them. But the fundamental problem here is you would have to be such a household name superstar to pull that off without any political machinery, any team going door to door, any support, any fast funding to get your brand and your name and your image out there without enormous media attention. I just can't see how any one individual is going to meaningfully be able to compete against these absolute behemoths. Certainly not for top office. It could make a bit of a difference community by community in smaller votes. The only person who comes to mind who might be able to do it is Sia Khaleesi. <laughs> like, maybe. No one else. Sia Khaleesi's that man every time. Actually, not even him. No, there's no way. So now you might say, but Dan, I've heard about this rainbow pact, this dream coalition of opposition parties, even though not one of them has the power, the ability or the talent to really challenge the ANC on their own. What about a rainbow pact where they all get together and agree to get behind one leader from one party and encourage all of their supporters to vote for just that one person so that they can pull all of their power, all of their supporters who are dissatisfied with the ANC and make a real go for it. And to that I say, fine, but it's just not going to happen. 
It's just not going to happen. These smaller political parties have shown that they hate each other. They are fundamentally self-interested. They are all fighting over the same group of voters who are sick and tired of the ANC. And they all have massive baggage. The DA would never do anything that made Mashaba and his party Action SA or Maimane and his party Borsa look good. Never, ever would they do anything that would strengthen either of those two after they left the Democratic Alliance. No ways. It's hard to imagine the Freedom Front Plus making the DA look good or vice versa. It's hard to imagine good the DA and the Patriotic Alliance working together. All of the smaller parties want to weaken the Democratic Alliance. That's where they are looking to for their votes. And the Democratic Alliance hates the fact that there are smaller parties. They see smaller parties as dividing up the pie of opposition to the ANC that the DA believes it's their God-given right to have. The DA is even upset about independents being allowed to run next year because they're worried about their votes being taken away. And this isn't just me projecting or speculating about next year in 2024. Look at the coalitions. We've been subjected to coalitions at local government level for the first time in our history in the last few years from the last local government elections. And in a ton of places, there have been enough votes cast for smaller political parties that if they united together behind one leader, would be able to put someone in power who was not ANC. And there are even places where that's possible, even if the EFF chooses to stick with the ANC in those areas. And coalition after coalition has fallen apart because of infighting and squabbling and self-interested moves by all of these smaller parties. Classic example, all of the smaller parties got around an Action SA leader for mayor of Johannesburg. And then at the last moment, the DA said, absolutely not. It's our candidate or nobody. And all the smaller parties said, you're being a bully and you're being self-interested. We thought the DA's whole shtick was get the ANC out of power by any means necessary. But the DA refused. And that meant that the smaller opposition parties couldn't effectively gather together. And ultimately, the ANC EFF choice from tiny nothing political party Al Jamaa became mayor. And then that happened again after the first one was deposed. It's actually insane. Al Jamaa got something like less than 40,000 votes in the local government elections. That is tiny. Al Jamaa wouldn't make top 10 on idols if that is how many votes they got. But the DA, in combination with the other parties, the fundamentally anti-ANC parties, all squabbled and ultimately they chose not to make a working relationship happen. And so they chose to allow a puppet mayor controlled by the ANC and the EFF to preside over key decision-making in Johannesburg. These are not people who are going to pull off a rainbow coalition. And even if they wanted to, do you think their voters would support them in doing that? There are tons of people who hate the ANC, but they also hate John Stiernazen. They hate the ANC, but they also hate Julius Malema. And the smaller parties will have to reckon with maybe losing a lot of support if they try to go into partnerships with other political parties. So what now? Well, I'm pretty sure the ANC is going to get the most votes in next year's election. By a long way. By millions of votes more than anybody else. But what is interesting is, quite a few polls suggest that the ANC might fall below 50% plus one votes. And that is what I think 
next year's election is actually about. Because if the ANC doesn't get their own majority of 50% plus one vote, they're going to need to go into coalition. And that is where it could get wild. Because they'll have to go into coalition with a smaller party. And obviously it depends how far short they fall below 50% plus one vote. If they do, they may only need a party with 1% of the vote or two or three or higher. Maybe they'll try to get a few political parties in on some kind of coalition to rule give their leaders ministerial positions or appointments to powerful committees. But I reckon that if you are anti-ANC or just not voting for the ruling party next year, you're pretty sure of that, then what you should really be thinking about is who you would like to be in coalition with them. Who you think, out of all the opposition parties, best represents your interests, who you like the most, instinctively trust the most, because there might be one, two, three political parties which actually have a little bit of sway, a little bit of bargaining power come the aftermath of the 2024 elections. Not a lot, to be clear, because the ANC will come with huge bargaining power if they only fall a few percent short. They'll be able to say to one political party, you'll just fall in line and do what we say, like you're basically ANC light, or we'll go with a different political party. But at the same time, the ANC would rather have a peaceful, committed, co-working relationship with a coalition partner. So. If you're thinking of not voting ANC next year, you really should be thinking about not which person you'd like to be president, but rather which person and party you would like to be in government with the ANC. So that's the issue with the 2024 elections. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Issue with Dan Corder, delivering you South African news with laughter and thoughtfulness. One episode comes out a week on podcast and in video on YouTube please go ahead and follow and subscribe so you don't miss a thing. You can also contact us on social media. We are everywhere. And for any inquiries or sponsorships or collaborations, please use the email address you'll find in the bio of this podcast. The issue with Dan Corder at gmail.com. See you next week.